0: Beep! <sweak>
1: knows for today's episode but i was feeling it
0: yeah man no you uh you hit me with some heavy nostalgia right then yes i didn't (laughs) i didn't recognize it right away and i was like wait i know this song i know this song yeah you do and then i heard i heard the hook and i was like oh boy do i know this song
1: (laughs) yeah man so good so good to be back too welcome back everybody how's uh how are you it's been a couple weeks for us not the listener Yeah. Hopefully.
0: Are you answering? Or wait, were you talking to me? I was talking to you. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Jesus Christ. You could kick me off this podcast anytime you want to.
1: That's all right. That's all right. I am going to pop this bad boy open, though. Uh, Told you we went to Rheingeist this past week, so I've been getting some Rheingeist beers. Um, This, actually, I didn't get out Rheingeist. I got it at Jungle Gyms, but it's a Pixel Cold IPA. Now, you've been getting into IPAs a little bit more, you've been telling me. You want to? (laughs) go down that uh that rabbit hole
0: yeah a little bit um i love it's called pixels i'm a little bit jealous um that you uh have it uh as a little video game boy as i am the the inaugural uh podcast video game boy uh that sounds dope but here's what's funny mitch i don't know if you saw what beer i grabbed but i grabbed One of my favorite, one of my go, actually, it has to be my favorite because I've been drinking this IPA, even though I've notoriously am on record as hating IPAs. Uh, I got a little Rheingreis.
1: Oh, Uh, yeah. (laughs) Fucked it up. Well, we're not going to get the sponsorship now.
0: (laughs) I will do unspeakable things to get a fucking sponsorship from Rheingeist. The amount of beer, I'm still fucking it up. uh well, have a better name. Yeah, f- fuck them. <laughs> have a better name about it. <laughs> um, so I will admit that there's there's a couple areas that I do not tread with IPAs. Double IPAs, fuck off. One's good enough. You're doing too much. Hazy IPAs kind of sound like bad beer that you shouldn't sell. <laughs> But they do because any other beer is not supposed to be hazy. (laughs) And then they're just like, yeah, it's got sediment, rocks, and pebbles. (laughs)
1: drink it it. it's it yeah i i agree with you there i do not like hazy ipas i love ipas but just for whatever reason the past like few years everybody like that's the new trend hazy ipas or the new ipa so everybody's like oh you gotta have this hazy ipa and i sometimes i'll go to like breweries where the only ipas they even have are hazy ipas i'm like what are you what is the deal it's just it's sour tasting and it's I just don't, I, I don't jive with it.
0: Yeah, I haven't really had enough to weigh in. Um, like, well, for example, you, you read the description there for the Pixel, but what it, what is the Pixel again, specifically?
1: Um, so it is a, it's an IPA. So it says a clean fermenting lager yeast and extra high HPI, that's hops per inch, obviously, results in a crisp, refreshing brew programmed with loads of tropical accents, which I do like. I, I do like the, uh, the the citrus. Um and then the rest is just marketing bullshit.
0: Well, what was it actually called? Like what was the it said cold something? Yeah,
1: it's just pixel cold IPA, yeah.
0: Cold IPA? Yeah. Okay. It's weird. I that don't know, a man. Lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. We we ha we very early on discovered with what you drinking that it just there is a lot of marketing in beer that uh, it doesn't uh make any fucking sense actually what they're saying i
1: forgot to tell you so i told you i went to that wedding this past weekend um kind of some like redneck white trash people no offense if you're listening um it was an raise hail praise (laughs) dale you know what i'm saying it was an open bar they had bud light miller light and bush light
0: let's go miller
1: light was the first to go Okay. Uh, bud light nobody wanted to drink i literally overheard people say man i don't i don't even know why they have bud light here man that's bullshit oh my god because <laughs> of the whole kid rock thing
0: stop
1: yeah that's i had so i was stupid. living it man
0: that okay and you know what i, I take went back everything I
1: <laughs> you know what i did i marched myself right up to the bar um and after i ordered five uh whiskey gingers i got a <laughs> miller lite because i was like you know what i do want to support bud but right now i'm really trying to get rid of all this miller lite because if they have to drink bush or bud they're going to lose their minds and i think that's hilarious
0: that is pretty <laughs> you you attributed to the economy I did. of the beer i felt like i was yeah <laughs> force their hand cuz they'll drink it they'll drink it if they want a beer
1: yeah yeah
0: <laughs> um I I I think in in that pick, if I had uh, Miller, Bud Light, Bush Light, I'd probably go mm-hmm. Bush Light. I'd go with the Bush Latte. Yeah,
1: I've, it's the classic.
0: <laughs> I I've, I've become a bigger fan, but yeah, that does sound like my people. Admittedly, <laughs> I hate to say it. But.
1: Yeah, you would have been right at home. I also found out that um, because I like whiskey gingers, I've never had like six of them in one night. Um, so I have six. the worst heartburn. I was going to was... say,
0: <laughs> that sounds like a, a lot of ginger. I'm a little bit unfamiliar with a whiskey ginger. It kind of sounds like a poor man Moscow's mule. A little
1: me. bit, yeah. It's literally just whiskey and ginger beer. <laughs>
0: oh no, 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 I don't. I don't get what the Jamaicans dig about the ginger beer. I don't <laughs> dig it. I don't like it.
1: I like ginger beer, but it just a little goes a long way. I was on I, I my, my heart was on fire
0: <laughs> we're sold, so dude we really are. i had five whiskey gingers and boy did i need to take a tone <laughs> man <laughs> um uh but yeah i am drinking truth i don't think i actually said what the beer was but yeah, oh yeah, I'm drinking yeah truth. i saw that yeah the, yeah <laughs> this is this is the ipa that uh keeps me around and keeps me going and yeah i don't know it's uh it's weird i've just been uh on that ipa kick and it's been mm-hmm. going and I've been branching out because I think the issue with IPAs is just that that is the one to me stouts. You can order any stout and you're going to get the, the foundation is the same. What I've noticed with IPAs is, is it it's a wide ray, man. Yeah, like you, totally. It's really yeah. kind of a crap shoot If you don't know specifically what you're into in the IPA realm. Right. Yeah. Personally. <laughs> um, Anyways, let's get back to the music part because I did have a question that I wanted to throw in there. How do you feel about La La La's in songs?
1: Uh, you know, I'm on, uh, I have a love-hate relationship with La La La's. I feel like it's lazy. I feel like when I was first songwriting, I did too many La La La's because I couldn't think of any good lyrics. So knowing that whenever I hear a song with La La La's, I'm like, ah, come on, you can't even just think of like a bridge here, like just have something. But, But every once in a while, if it's placed properly, it can go pretty hard.
0: Yeah, I don't think you're wrong by any means. I have never written a la-la-la into a song.
1: Uh,
0: I always (laughs) kind of... Well, no, 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 not at all. I always thought it was a producer move. I always thought it was a producer hearing a song and just being like, you know, we could have nothing here but the song, but it's really boring. Let's let's pepper it. I kind of view it as like an accoutrement. A little bit, a little bit of zest, a little bit of a garnish sure, on the yeah. song, you know? But sometimes I do hate them. You know what I definitely hate? Everyone knows the song where the la-la-la part goes on way too long. Yes. Those are, that's to me, the, the worst sin you could commit. It's one thing to have a la-la-la on a song. It's one thing to have like 20, where like, yeah, exactly. it's actually kind of a part that I don't like about Hey Jude.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: I, I B- Mitch will vehemently probably disagree. I do think Hey Jude is one of the greatest songs ever written. Top 10 from the uh, beginning of human existence. I,
1: I can agree with that.
0: Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. I, I appreciate that. Uh. However, nah, 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 nah. That's just the entire last minute and a half of the song. Yeah, it's totally. too much.
1: Well... Would would you prefer a la or a na?
0: <laughs> That's just splitting hairs. I think that I will admit that I think la is the most boring phonetical sound to do for that. So I would rather you go with like an O or an E or a Na or a Ba or a Da.
1: <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah. Or a fucking <laughs> za, dude. Let's
0: go. All right, sorry that was stupid, but yeah, no, I, I mean, I will, I will admit that I do think "la" is just a lazy phonetical thing to throw into a song. I think, I think what's interesting is when you build off what you're already singing, right? And instead of doing "la," you're actually singing a vowel sound from what you were already doing. That makes sense. What I hate is sometimes people fuck it up, and I wish I had better examples here, but they'll be singing a song that has no vowel sound that relates to the law and then they'll throw the law in and then it doesn't sound right. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, yeah, because you're just saying the whole thing that you're, you, you're you singing without that vowel sound. So it doesn't sound right. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. Gotcha. I'm kind of thinking of, um, that reminded me of like Brown Eyed Girl a little bit. Like, I think those laws sound a little misplaced because he's not actually singing an existing, like, it, I, it would make more sense if he, like, replaced the chorus with, like, so it, it, if he did, like, the first chorus, actual words, instead of, like, la, 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 but you know, the rest. um If he had actual words there, and then at the end, bailed on the words and did the laws, I think that's interesting, and it, it, it establishes a musical theme, except mm. what he actually did was... The only words to the chorus are la, if I can remember right, except for you're my brown-eyed girl. That's it.
0: Yeah, no, I think I see your point. Also, I'm having a little bit trouble remembering brown-eyed girl because all I'm hearing is Counting Crows going, la, la,
1: la, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. <laughs> Which is yeah, maybe
0: the worst. La, la, la. Like, d- just stop.
1: Yeah, well, okay, so what I think a good example of la la laws kind of like what i mentioned if they were to just replace the w- lyrics with laws is don't fear the reaper they're basically in the verse they're like all our times have come la oh la, la, la. so
0: oh fuck man! i
1: think that's a good use that's of laws a- <laughs>
0: That's a very good use of laws, because what they didn't do was they didn't highlight the chorus melody, or, um, yeah, melody. Well, Ooh. what's the chorus? Yeah. I um, don't, don't fear the reeba. Right, exactly. But, but yeah. the air and the sun, it's very different from mm-hmm. the verse, and they don't highlight that. They do the verse. Yes. With the la-la-laws. Oh, shit, yeah. you're onto something, my man. <laughs> Holy shit. We cracked it. I think so too. <laughs> Everyone listen to Blue Oyster Cole about your laws. Yeah, it's just always something that I've ne- I've actually never got to talk about how I feel about laws, and yeah, I have I'm strong surprised opinions. We have not
1: talked about that yet, but yeah. <laughs> oh man.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I would typically say that I hate laws. I'd be like, don't do laws for any reason. Um, but there's definitely like interesting ways of doing it. I just hear dumb ass ways (laughs) and you know i and like i said i'm not gonna say that like the ending of hey jew is dumb but it it doesn't it gets old like it but then it's also what purpose is it serving because that's like kind of why it's there for everybody to join in but i don't think you need to do it 20 times you know i think i think you get it more than halfway through that Yeah,
1: totally. And I don't think you even need to like if you are going to have a powerful song where everybody joins in the chorus at the end, make it like original. Um, Make just make your own words, but establish it enough that, okay, these are the words of the song. So make sure you know that, because in about a minute and a half, we're just going to do that for the last two and a half minutes. It can be done well, I think. U2 does it a lot. Um,
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, no, honestly, yeah, I think you're totally right. Worship music does it primarily.
1: <laughs> oh, oh <God. laughs> I already said you too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, what are we worshiping? Bono's fucking Ray Bans? <laughs> Sorry. I had, to, I had to slip in a little bit. I don't hate you too, by the way. I know that you hear me shit on him a lot. I don't hate you too. I like yeah, you. That's <laughs> fine.
1: That's fine. No, I do. I like you too. Hey, I'm
0: well, not going to beep with you, man. No, no, I like you too. I do. I just, I think I just like older you two.
1: Oh, hands down, me too.
0: Yeah, yeah. it's a beautiful day. Is not you two to me. No. <laughs> okay. All right. Then we. Agree? No.
1: I, I yeah. I agree. I agree with you there. There are some songs off of Vertigo that I that I think are okay, <laughs> but no, Joshua Tree, um, the okay. War, the best.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, and I think. Yeah. I think that. Uh, and, and and them live too in that era is something to really see. Yeah. Like, it, and even I, you know, even now, like I know that they're really, you know, you you went and saw you two, and you said you cried.
1: <laughs> you keep bringing that up, but yes, I did. No, well, I bring it up because I'm not. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, I ain't ashamed.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm not. I'm not judging at all. I think that's awesome, and I think you got to experience because there are bands that are just just better live, like their music makes more sense, their persona makes more sense, and it just Uh. works better in that context, and I think you two might be that band, because like me driving to work, you know, I don't, I'm not going to cry when he's like, it's a beautiful day, (laughs) but if I was there with like 20,000 other people,
1: yeah, then you'd be like, it is a beautiful day, man. (laughs) Yeah, I may be a lot
0: less pretentious about it, so, you know, (laughs) I may cry myself, so... Yeah. All right. Well. Anyways, that that's how we feel about laws.
1: Hot takes, only the hottest. Yeah, only the
0: hottest <laughs> takes here. Um, with that being said, Mitch, you have prepared some information that you would like to share with us, and I'm deeply excited about it. Yeah. Uh, um, some ease information. Us in
1: hopefully a discussion so basically when you're uh with your grunge episode it kind of got me thinking about like well if i were to do like a deep dive about a kind of like genre slash subgenre of music that means as much to me as um grunge means to you what would that genre be what would i like be able to talk about with little to no research uh which was big for doing the podcast um and my uh my, uh, my genre of, of choice is probably going to be my favorite genre that I keep coming back to, um... Well into my 30s, and that is uh, the New Rock Revolution. You can also call it the Garage Rock Revival. Um, Basically anything from the early 2000s, think of The Strokes, um, The Hives, Black Keys, Killers, um, pretty much all those early 2000s indie rock bands um, that kind of have a twinge of blues to them. That is my bread and butter. If If I could listen to only that the rest of my life, I think I would be okay. Um, so basically I was kind of trying to like figure out what I wanted to like convey on this podcast, on this episode, besides like this genre kicks ass, you have to listen to more of it. Um, basically I kind of broke it down into a a few little parts. Basically you have a little bit of a history, um, the, the kind of like some of the bands and how they intertwine and, uh, how they kind of got their start and then really ultimately the death of the new rock revolution because it died pretty quickly um so basically yeah we'll we'll get into it a little bit so i already mentioned um some of my favorite bands from that era the white stripes black keys they were part of what i call the and i'm making all of this up uh this is not what anybody (laughs) uh no one else calls it this
0: (laughs) interesting strategy i'm totally making everything up
1: (laughs) Well, basically, so I've been, I broke this down into what I call the Midwest Blues Rock Revival, um, which is going to be your, <laughs> okay. literally the Midwest bands. The Black Keys are from Ohio, the White Stripes okay. are from Detroit, um, Kings of Leon, I throw in here because they're from Tennessee, um, the National is from Cincinnati, then you got oh, the Kills, yeah. the Rock and Tours, pretty much the whole Jack White Detroit empire meets a little bit of Ohio. um, Tennessee, a little bit. And not only am I grouping them together because regionally it makes sense, but also they have a very similar kind of subgenre where they're fusing this blues with punk. That. New New Rock Revolution doesn't always have to be blues punk, but that is a pretty important part of it. Um, basically, the reason I got into, literally, Led Zeppelin is because I love Jack White. And I was like, oh shit, Jack White is like doing a punky Led Zeppelin. Same with like the Black Keys. Um, so there are definitely some blues influences there. Um, and then if you go over to the East Coast, uh, you've got what I'm calling the New York City post-punk scene. Um and this is basically your literally based in New York bands. The Strokes, LCD Sound System, Yeah Yeah Yeahs, uh Bikini Kill. Um and these also not only are they like close regionally, but they also have a kind of similar but different than the blues rock undertones where they're kind of more electronic, a little bit more weird, a little bit more dancy. Um literally very much so inspired by CBGB. Um, the, the, like, if you look at all of these bands that are playing, you could definitely tell they're like, OK, they're kind of like doing a little bit of a Ramones or like the New York Dolls or Patti Smith or Blondie. Um,
0: yeah, that's yeah. I was going to hop in and just say that, like, yeah, the New York Dolls is like, yeah, big for almost any of those New York bands. Yeah. yeah. I I will admit I feel like I think are you are you talking about not necessarily just specifically cuz like you you mentioned Bikini Kill. So then you kind of sort of went it over into my area and Bikini Kill I don't think it really works with the years but are you just talking about like here's these bands that kept kind of this sound alive that continued onward into these bands?
1: Uh yeah, a little bit. Um I guess what years was B- Bikini Kill? I kind of thought they were there was some crossover.
0: Well, uh, yeah, n- yeah, there is. You know what? My bad. Bikini no, Kill is. Mean, was... I, I could be wrong. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're right. My bad. The B- Bikini Kill, like I think, definitely started. Um... Bikini Kill has been around for a long time. Um, actually, the reason that the song "Smells Like Teen Spirit" has that name is one of the people from Bikini Kill actually oh, sure. wrote. Yeah, actually, wrote smells like teen spirit on the wall. That she was oh. the person. Yeah, she was. I didn't one,
1: know that. Yeah, right on.
0: Yeah, but one of the... Fu- and I fucking love Bikini Kill, and they're awesome. <laughs> one of the reasons that they're so cool is that they kept motherfucking going. Um, but just to, that's just why I hopped in, because I'm like, oh, wait, interesting. Because to me, as I kind of talked about on the Grunge episodes... Uh-huh. To me, in the 90s, that's all grunge was. By the time yeah. we heard grunge on the radio and the main street, it was just garage rock continuing to evolve and evolve and evolve. And I yes. think that, that, that what you're talking about, the early 2000s garage rock revival, really, to me personally, is just an extension of grunge. Not necessarily in sound or, yeah. you know, hey, we're going to wear flannel thing, you know, what it turned into. it's it's bands doing music in a certain way um but i don't want to hop in too hard so i'll yeah no i mean
1: yeah we will definitely get there so basically um the, pretty much my third subgenre. genre. Uh, I'm calling it Across the Pond because obviously there were some UK bands that um, really had their like heyday during this era as well. Um, the Hives put out their, uh, their debut album in 2000. Franz Ferdinand had their debut album in 2004. Kaiser Cheese, we've already played them. Uh, Interpol, Block Party, Arctic Monkeys, Jet. That was all basically their debut was from like 2000 to 2005 and those bands kick so much ass um and i think like sonically there's some crossover between kind of like midwest blues rock but also a little bit more um upbeat and fun almost kind of like i guess a little bowie-ish in terms of like the really kind of like catchy melodies um Whereas a lot of the times, um, some of the New York post-punk, like uh, LCD Sound System, The Strokes, like they're technically part of the genre, but it sounds very different. They don't have quite as catchy of melodies as some of these, you know, Franz Ferdinand, as like one of the most earworm songs ever. Um,
0: yeah, I think the, uh, the Across the Pond genre were, I think that they were the ones to introduce the pop aspect to it. I think yeah. they were the guys who were like, let's. But then again, like Block Party, though, man, Block Party has some weird, dissonant ass <laughs> shit. But yes. I was going to say that actually a lot of those bands are my favorite. Like, yeah. primarily, like Arctic Monkeys. And like, I was obsessed with like their first two albums. Oh. Like, that's kind of my bread and butter there. But yeah, they kind of did something different where I think they interfused that pop aspect. Because to me, okay. This was a theory I've had for a while that Blur basically is them, right? Like, I think Blur did so much when they were Blur, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, because they went back to like the late 80s, early 90s, kind of when they formed and were starting to kind of get that traction. I think that like bands like that had a really big influence on those bands in the early 2000s that really hit. And I think yeah. a lot of it was the pop aspect because that was a big, big thing Blur did. And then we saw that guy go on to do something like The Gorillas, which started to be pop and hip-hop base. Yeah. yeah, I think it kind of stems from there. That's my own little personal theory I have to shove in, but... No, I, that's, a, that's a really good theory that I hadn't, yeah, quite considered.
1: Blur was, yeah, probably huge for... Or I, Oasis. I guess I kind of forgot even. that they were even, you know, doing stuff that early. Like, yeah.
0: Yeah, I would even say Oasis too, right? Because that was one of the fucking most awesome parts of Oasis. Like, here's a rock band, but I think the reason they hit so hard is like, here's a rock band, but we're singing like, Beatle-esque melodies yeah. and making these really like pop friendly hits, but they're mm-hmm. they're rock and roll underneath. So yeah. I think, man, like, it makes
1: me so happy to hear you say that. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> my heart soars with the eagle.
0: <laughs> maybe i have shitted on oasis before and if i have i am totally wrong because yeah now oasis is badass i never got to listen to the badass stuff and i think i'm just now getting there which is yeah. why but blur i've always kind of been on board with because uh once i learned that blur and the gorillas like come from the same person right. it blew my little like you know 17 year old brain (laughs) yeah and then you go back and listen to like early blur it's like the it i'm i i don't even know if i want to call it good like it's just (laughs) on this different level of cultural context that i didn't understand yeah that because one of their first big hits was a song called boys and girls and it is just the weirdest fucking song i don't know if i even really like it but it's just (laughs) coming from such a different place and
1: sure yeah
0: it's just i i i hear the guys in like block party or something like that and the way they pronounce words and sing melodies and i'm like that kind of just sounds like blur like Mm -hmm. it kind of sounds i feel like it's all coming from somewhere different and i love that you i love i really do i really love that you had like an across the pawn section, (laughs) because that's perfect, because music really does sound different when it comes from Europe. Like, there is something different that is happening there Mm -hmm. than coming from the Midwest. You're already doing a really good job, Mitch. Continue, please.
1: (laughs) Yes. Um, Okay, so next, so that's pretty much my three sub-genres that I wanted to shout out um, to kind of give you a little bit of a background. Um, Basically, um, next, I kind of want to talk about... um, I did a little bit of research and kind of like, here's my here's my two cents on why it all came to be and why, like, all of a sudden everyone was listening to these bands. Um, So if you think about the like the history of rock and what we had going on at the time, we talked about on your episode, Grunge was pretty much dead by what did you say? Ninety (laughs) four. Yeah, I got
0: a little uh, conspiracy theorist um, here. Yeah. But uh, yeah, just to iterate that point, yes, I had a little bit of a conspiracy theory that by the time we understood what grunge was, and pretty much like 92, 93, it had already turned into something different. And in my mind, just a garage rock revival, man, it was just garage bands hitting it big on the radio, which mm-hmm. I think, to me, I'm, I'm curious when we can discuss this part, but to me, a garage rock band it's just a band that played music <laughs> in a garage like to me that's yes. the okay it but... is
1: it is coming up here very shortly okay um, continue. so basically kind of leads me to my next point so after the quote on, grunge scene quote-unquote died um in the mid 90s um grunge was kind of dead rock was dead I, I should say alternative slash indie rock was dead there wasn't really anything going on for a five to six year hiatus um and also at this time it was kind of a weird time in american history rock and music history because um pretty much for the first time ever um because of like notorious big and um a whole bunch of like awesome rappers at the time rap was kind of coming onto the mainstream it was becoming the new thing um there was like hip-hop music was taking over but also there was just some shitty ass music taking over so um i looked up the okay so here's my basis is i looked up the first year and I'm gonna reference them a lot, but because it's probably one of my favorite bands, the White Stripes, um first album, debut album came out in June of nineteen ninety nine um but they really didn't become like mainstream until two thousand three. So basically, I was kind of thinking, okay, what was going on in the year of like two thousand? Because I know around the year two thousand and one, this like genre that I'm talking about really took off. But in the year two thousand, Here's a few of the top Billboard Top 100 songs. Are you ready? Yep. I love doing this. Yep. Number yep, one, yep. Breathe by Faith Hill. Yep. Uh, number two, Smooth Santana featuring Rob Thomas.
0: Oh, God. That's a banger, though. <laughs> I, I don't i have that get the fuck out no stop dude (laughs) i i own that album as a child it was an album called supernatural by carlos santana and every single song he did a song with a different person like he did a song with seal he did that 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 mega hit with rob thomas the album's really (laughs) good and i that song is a bang
1: i full-on disagree
0: (laughs) all right that's not why we're here but okay or argue about this later. <laughs> Number
1: 3, Maria Maria Santana.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite one off the album. That's that that song is an unequivocal banger. Okay,
1: if you, that album had some hits, I can't deny.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was a very good Carlos Santana album and I wouldn't understand Latin Fusion I did I at that point in my life I did not know who Santana was. I only knew him because of that supernatural album. Yeah. So I'm just saying it got me very intrigued by Latin fusion. So I just don't want to shit on it too hard. I'm sorry, but <laughs> <Okay>. please continue.
1: <laughs> righty. So I'll just make list a couple more. So we got Everything You Want, Vertical Horizon, Say My Name, Destiny's Child. I knew I loved you, Savage Garden, Amazed Lone Star. Bent Matchbox 20, can't, I, I I can't, I can't say Matchbox 20 is, is, is bad, but anyway.
0: Yeah. Um, well, and then I- it's mostly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think the point is that we're trying to say that these songs are necessarily bad, but clearly yeah. there is a very, very heavy pop takeover at yes. the time. That There's rock music a- is not. It's not there. It's not is not trending. It's not cool. It's yeah. not Happened
1: in india yeah, indie rock went through a dry spell for sure um and then if you actually go into the genre of rock uh or in those days you got alt rock or you got like new metal <laughs> so we talked about earlier that's where you're stained your uh limp biscuit comes in um th- that was all kind of going on at the same time but also most people that i knew anyway thought that stuff sucked um so like what do we do man like we have If we want to listen to rock, we gotta listen to Nickelback. We gotta listen to Chevelle, and I just don't want to do that. So,
0: (laughs) all right, I'll let you talk. No, 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 no. You're fine. Just you had a.
1: You look like you're about to fight me. So,
0: (laughs) no. I was just like, hey, just be careful with Chevelle. Nickelback (laughs) is fair game. Just, just lay off Chevelle a little bit. (laughs) Okay, they're pretty good. All
1: right, God smack (laughs) God. hey fuck you dude <laughs> it's
0: like getting full out of fight so, um, so
1: anyway yeah, that, yeah that's continue. where it comes in like the extension of like the grunge fans i don't think we're listening to nickelback and being like yeah this is like m- what i'm into now <laughs> yeah the and new nirvana can't... dude <laughs> right <laughs> so we didn't have anywhere to go so basically i think what is kind of cool what happened was they decided that they need a revolution which is why i'm calling it a new rock revolution because basically okay so what i think happened was i noticed this trend and again i totally just made this up um this is an original <laughs> mitch daisy idea
0: so okay. they say
1: <laughs> So they say that style is like cyclical. You know how that thing, like every yeah. 30 to 40 years, it kind of comes back in style. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think that was a thing before the 90s. Can you name a 90s band that was like, okay, we're going to try to sound like a 50s or 60s band or even like a 70s band? I don't think that was a thing.
0: Yeah. I I actually, uh, I'm, I'm actually, this part, we're totally locked in. Sweet. Uh, best Friends Forever. um yeah no i totally agree because that's the that's the whole thing is i think that modern music to me really started about the 1930s and each decade that's why we talk about 30s the 40s the 50s the 60s 70s and the 80s yada 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 because it didn't repeat i think once we pass the millennia that's when we started to repeat that's when there was bands that was like you know what fuck Nickelback I'm gonna you know I'm I'm gonna go work in an upholstery shop because what was interesting is you said White Stripes first album came out in 99 Mm -hmm. what's even more interesting is that is before that Jack White was playing drums and the upholsterers Uh, before that in detroit so i mean this was already starting at the end of the 90s right people were already like no this doesn't work for me i don't i don't like the pop sound i don't like the hip-hop sound i don't like the new rock that's coming Mm -hmm. up being those nickelbacks and stains or whatever yeah and they already went back to the roots so i think that's when we started to yeah i think that's when we started to repeat then
1: I think those bands at the time, yeah, like you said, they basically recognized that we needed something new, but it can't be so new that like people are gonna hate it, like they did new metal. So, so yeah, basically, um, uh, I I I think they basically needed to do something that is a throwback and uh, a kind of pay pay is it is it homage. I always, I always freak out. I shouldn't have even tried. <laughs> Is it, do you Sorry. say homage? I, or I, or do you say the, homage?
0: You're saying the words I hear in my head when I say it. I, I typically say homage. Okay. But I do believe it's one of those words where you can also say, like, homage. Okay. (laughs) I do think you could technically say both, but I would typically say, like, an homage. I should have just said tribute.
1: I should have just said tribute. (laughs) I tried to bust out my SAT words.
0: (laughs) And it is one, because it's pointless otherwise. (laughs) Absolutely. You could just say tribute. Tribute, yeah. Um,
1: Anyway, so yeah, they were doing kind of a tribute to the roots of rock and roll. Basically, everything that they listened to growing up, they're like, okay, we're going to basically kind of take this idea, but modernize it a little bit. So, I mean, you got Black Keys that are kind of doing a garage rock they literally do a cover of the sonics they basically kind of meld blues rock and make it a little bit more punky and in your face same with the white stripes they're making blues music more punky um you know uh yeah kind of lcd sound system is doing kind of like a weird talking heads thing but it's all electronic and like dancey and there's some bass to it so it's 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 they they were doing something that is like, you, to an outsider, you recognize what this is because you're familiar with it. But also, we're gonna change it just enough that it sounds like this new era. Um, and that's exactly what I needed. So, um, kind of rambling. Where what what have I not talked about yet?
0: Yeah, to take a look because I could definitely hop in for you and give you. Oh, completely different perspective on this, but I don't want to. Okay. I don't. I don't want to push off from where you're going because this has uh, all been no, very good.
1: Pretty. Pretty much the only thing is the only other thing was basically just like pretentious comparisons. You know, Kaiser Chiefs doing Buzzcocks, Kings of Leon, or kind of a Punky Almond Brothers. I, I wrote down about twenty of those. Don't know why. <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs> Hold on because those first two were very good so back up kaiser <laughs> chiefs are who Buzzcocks. Buzzcocks. and you said keeks and leon were like a punky <laughs> alvin brothers no,
1: well, mostly because he's got the southern accent and no, i, I a, think it totally he's works like, dude he's a down home good old boy
0: <laughs> can you read some more because those two were really good
1: I mean, I'll read some more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, White Stripes are doing a bluesy MC5. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, that's. Uh, yeah. That was pretty much it. <laughs> okay. Th- those are the ones you feel confident yeah, in. Right.
0: Those were funny, Mitch. Those were good. Okay. Because <laughs> they're not wrong. You're not. You're. You're. You're not far off. Because that's. Yeah. Because. Oh, man. That's what's so weird about. All right, well, I'll, I'll throw down a flag. We might cut this part out, but yeah, okay. like, like with Kings of Leon, for example, it being a Punky Almonds brother is not wrong because, like, it is. It's it's, I, dude. Music is influenced where you come from, and it sounds different. You talk different. You work differently. You work on music differently. You have a different like starting place with it, and I think Kings of Leon is so funny, man, because like I. Watch whatever fucking Kings of Leon documentary there was with them, and that, and they are they're good old boys. They're not yeah. city kids, <laughs> right. you know what I mean. But they make well, they made really really interesting punk music, and kind of went off into a different direction, which I still to this day do not judge them for. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, Punky Almond Brothers is really funny because <laughs> you're kind of not <laughs> wrong. Like if you just took Almond Brothers and just sped them up, <laughs> right. and just you know made him drink a lot more whiskey i I, you know i don't think we're far off
1: yes sweet um no and i love that so yeah basically the other thing that i thought was kind of interesting that i wanted to talk about is like not only was the genres kind of a throwback to uh music from the 60s and 70s but also if you go back and listen to it a lot of the recording like production uh values had a lot of the same stuff um kind of this super lo-fi. When you think of, like, the word garage rock, you think of lo-fi, doesn't sound very good. It probably recorded on a potato. Um, And... (laughs) just the shittiest of like quality and they're kind of doing that on purpose like in this time also in the not to get all nerdy in the production field like in the late 90s and early 2000s was kind of the, around the time that everybody started home recording studios and if you had a computer and spent yeah. like five hundred dollars on an interface a converter like boom you your yeah. cousin that knows a decent amount about computers can have a recording studio so yeah. it's very punk punky D di why it's this cool movement that everybody's like, okay, I don't need to go and spend $10,000 on studio time. I got a guy that can do it in his living room. And there, you can kind of tell that like, they don't really care that much about audio quality. Like, for example, one of my favorite, favorite sounds ever that I was like, trying so hard to emulate at one point was um have you ever like paid attention to julian casablanca's vocals on the first the strokes is this it album
0: yeah it's very distorted
1: it is so weird and i love it it's so distorted but basically all they were doing is he had this microphone this like handheld sure sm58 microphone running it through a crate amplifier and they were miking up that amplifier with a expensive condenser microphone right so rather than just plug a microphone into a mixer they were just like let's mic up the sound of my vocals through this guitar amp and it's just such a weird idea that nobody in pop music should do but it works for that genre because it it, it makes it seem unpolished and his vocals aren't like in your face it really blends in well with the rest of the the tracks um and it's just yeah it's just something crazy that they're like we're gonna it, 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 it it just doesn't sound as polished, and that's what I love about it,
0: yeah, yeah, hundred percent hundred
1: percent, um, so yeah, pretty much to sum up everything, I was kind of thinking like, oh, and then also aside from like the 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 uh computers being like easy to be able to record on, but also kind of the rise of computers made it so. Um, they computers like in the internet, more in particular, kind of broke these indie bands that you probably wouldn't have had a chance of even hearing even like 10 or so years ago. Like you had the access to the internet and like LimeWire and now you're like, oh, I can listen to bands that I want to <laughs> listen to, not just on the radio.
0: <laughs> Sorry, LimeWire made me laugh because I was just like, yeah, the, the band you hope to listen to and then it's... Because I got high, you know, for uh, yeah, yeah, totally, for 20
1: yeah. minutes. <laughs> so, anyway, man, I think just it, it was this really cool kind of culmination of like everything happening at the right time with technology and bands. Um, yeah, basically, that's kind of how I feel. The Gr- garage rock is an extension of grunge, just basically brought into a modern era. Same, I think, I feel like it's the same listener base.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, basically, like 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 we talked about off mic. I'm gonna hop in here with a little bit of my perspective of this era because I do feel like it's really different, um, at least in some ways. Um, but I totally agree. I think what grunge did, um, and then what it turned into, you know, when it broke and things like that. I think it. I think it was really just an emphasis on the parts of the parts of rock and roll that are important, which is real honesty and authenticity mm-hmm. and you know that i mean i get in arguments with my wife a lot about this is because like my wife really honestly has the most interesting taste in music um you know she was a punk kid so like you know she loves going back and listening to like gg allen and I'm still kind of like on the front. Yeah, right. Whoa.
1: Yeah. She's, she's the <laughs> she's kind of, so cooler than I thought, hey, like, so... than I could ever be.
0: <laughs> she's punker than me, man, because she's like, yeah, I'm going to listen to Gigi Allen. Also, let's get some Amy Winehouse. And, uh, hey, uh, yeah, we're going to listen to Neil Diamond. Like, the weirdest, <laughs> most eclectic taste in music I've ever experienced. Yeah. And it's even hard for me to keep up with. Um, but i think that what grunge did the reason that i still will go back and listen to those guys is because of the awesome the authenticity, the honesty and then you know when it broke and when we kind of had rock music kind of being a part of the conversation in a way that nickelback cuz so Okay, let me formulate my thoughts here a little bit. So that's the thing. So around the time that the White Stripes, Arctic Monkeys, all these guys started to be popular, was around the time that I wanted to be in a band and started playing guitar. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as a dude who, like, grew up playing rock music in garages, obviously this meant a lot to me. Like, we would argue about where we were going to put everybody because... My buddy Logan, who I played with, had this big-ass, old-ass PV amp. And you yeah. could not plug that into a six way. If you plugged it into a six way and you picked up the bass guitar, it was going to electrocute you. And I'm not being <laughs> hyperbolic. It was going to fucking electrocute you. So it had to have. Oh,
1: there's old Shocky. <laughs>
0: Don't worry. Honestly, I swear old to shocky. God. Yeah. So you had to plug it into a wall outlet that had that ground. That was the only way we could plug this. this. I mean, it was a monster. PV amp, dude. This was a, yeah. a to me a cabinet, like it yeah. was huge. It was <laughs> as tall as him in my memory. Yeah. <laughs> so we had we we would get into arguments about where we we're going to put him because me and Aaron kind of wanted the bass on a certain side of our ears to play, um but we couldn't put him on one side because I was like, well, we can't plug Logan into a six way because he would pick up stations from Tokyo. You know what I mean? Like he would have a radio station come through his pickups. So we had to, we had to ground that amp. And what that did though, was that created a certain vibe when we would make music like, okay, well we can't do this. And, and to me, that's garage rock is a lot of it is born out of practicality. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, and what you can actually do in a garage, Um, so for me, what really happened was like, I remember I was in middle school around that era about the, you know, the 2000, you know, uh, NSYNC or Backstreet Boys. I never remember which came out with millennia, you know, Backstreet's back. All right. It was Backstreet Boys. (laughs) Basically what happened was I had buddies that I wanted to be in a band with that were not into the White Stripes. Mm -hmm. yet they were into Limp Bizkit you know what I mean I hate to say it but like you know did I ball with the ball to bang the bang diggy diggy (laughs) a little bit you know what I mean Kid Rock was there Mm -hmm. new metal was kind of dominating my generation where I came from in Ohio a little bit because like that really fit our sense of loud rock rage but I still remember seeing that video for "I Fell in Love with a Girl" and it was that Lego video for the yeah. White Stripes, mm-hmm. and it blew my mind. I thought it was super yeah. fucking cool. I thought this was rocky, punky. I thought it was doing something that none of the Limp mm-hmm. Biscuits band, you, you, none of none of the new well, metal guys were doing.
1: One, I mean, to bring to bring to go back to your point on like necessity. That's one of the reasons I fuck with the white stripe so much is because like you listen to it and you're like, wait, this is just two people. This is a guy and his wife on drums, and they started this kick ass rock band. You thought Rush was cool with three people. What can you do with two people? That's necessity. That's DIY. That's like we're gonna do what we can with what we have.
0: Yeah. Boom. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I got mercilessly like I got fucking ragged on so hard for being into the white stripes Meg White wasn't a good drummer so nobody I wanted to play drums with respected Meg White everybody shit on her (laughs) you know what I mean everybody hated that like that that's what I was experiencing everybody wanted me to come out and like tune down to drop d and start like Mm -hmm. you know chugging And, and I, and, and I did write that music. Like there was some bands that came out like Chevelle, which is the reason I spoke up and talked about Chevelle, which I do think is decent. Mm -hmm. Basically I was caught in the middle of kind of feeling like this punky grunge kid who really wanted to do, who really wanted to do that style of music that felt like it was guys in a garage And then that was kind of like bumping up against the friends that I was playing music with that was a little bit more interested in doing kind of the new metal, super heavy rock thing. Yeah. So we had a lot of arguments about it um, because I was going to go out on a limb and say some of the bands I got into around this time, which is some of the bands you didn't bring up, uh, is like the Smashing Pumpkins... The, oh yeah, uh-huh. the thermals, um, fucking the big pink, um, fucking uh, oh god, I had one when I was thinking about it, and I've totally blanked. Um, oh wait, um, shit, I lost them already. But there, <laughs> there are some examples. Like I was even going deeper into these bands that were do that were doubling down on an even more. Uh, different sound and I just rem- oh the Airborne Toxic event that's a perfect oh, shit. one Okay, yeah, yeah, that's a perfect one so there was all these bands that were doing that kind of punk sound garage sound but you know producing it better you know and doing a little bit more with it well like well here's a garage band that we just found in the garage yesterday and here they are with a professionally produced record and one of the bands yeah. I think of is like the Airborne Toxic event um so, I was kind of caught in the middle, because when I was getting into Arctic, Arctic Monkeys and shit like that, and then I, I even went deeper, and then I was getting into, like, you know, British singer-songwriters, then I was getting into, like, Kate Nash was really popping off at that yeah. time, and, you know, and I, and I gotta be honest, I kind of think Ryan Adams is a part of this conversation, because... The, oh, okay. This yeah. is this is the time that he came out with his rock and roll album, which is n- yeah, totally not his strongest album, but indicative of that time. And I was like, yeah, totally. the Kaiser Chiefs are awesome, Interpol's awesome. You know, I'm listening to Airborne Toxic Event and the fucking Thermals. I got to turn on that. I got to turn on to the Mountain Goats around this time. Like, totally different sphere than everyone at school being like Slipknot. yeah (laughs) and I fucking love Slipknot but that was the clash so there was kind of this weird clash between the kids that were like kind of artsy and cool and like yeah oh the white stripes and like have you Mm -hmm. seen any Wes Anderson movie dude (laughs) (laughs) and the kids that were into like Rob Zombie so (laughs) so for me and where I came from there was this really big clash and I kind of had to meet up with like the to me what I would quantify as metal kids because i think they understood the anti authoritative let's do it ourselves let's make this rock let's be edgy and be ourselves like we're not going to be commercial about anything we do
1: mm-hmm. if
0: we write a song and it sounds good let's roll with it and i had to find the kids that were willing to do that in a way that was a lot less complicated than what like rob zombie or slipknot or the new metal wave was doing Mm -hmm. um so that's interesting because that's that's what's funny is like you think like oh i was listening to white stripes during their first album and i was watching them on (laughs) fuse man i was not cool i was super fucking ridiculed
1: oh yeah for
0: being into this shit
1: well, I'll I'll go one step further and say I really didn't listen to the White Stripes until like probably late high school. Like I was a good 16 or 17 years old and I really only got into them because I was like, what's that Seven Nation Army song? That's pretty good. Um so, yeah man, don't don't feel bad at all because we all have our own journeys, but no, you're you're exactly right. Um that's awesome. So were you going to say anything else?
0: Uh, I was just going to say, like, that's that's the part that was complicated for me. And then when I got into late high school, I had the Foo Fighters, which I would be yeah. the first one to say, like, that's one of the reasons that you hear the Foo Fighters come up so much is because I think they <laughs> were this blend of, like, punk music, dissonant punk, newer rock, heavier music. It was all in and, and oh. melodic and pop music, all kind of like forming into this rock band that yeah. was really fun to watch. Had funny music videos that made me and my 16-year-old friends laugh. Yeah. But we would cover their songs and we would fucking jam out. It's was like, oh, God, we got to write songs like this. <laughs> and that's yeah. really where the foo entered for me. But, yeah, no. I think that, like, you've done a great job of laying it out. I think that any of these bands you could talk about at nauseum about... All their catalog and what they did and everything like that, because I think that's what's so interesting is these guys went back to the heart of rock and roll, yeah, and kind of went back to somewhere that we needed to because rock had had kind of had kind of dissipated, man, it kind of died, yeah. Because like yeah, it, it
1: kind of spiraled out of control, and there was really only like a couple pretty hardcore camps that I I personally didn't want to be in. Like, I mean, if there's, you mentioned like Smashing Pumpkins, I kind of forgot about them. Um, another like band that was kind of popular at the time, like this was a like right around the Blink One Eighty Two era, and I didn't think I was like, you know pop punk enough to be into blink 182 so i'm like well I'll, and i'm also not metal enough to be into like new metal so like what do i do
0: <laughs> right yeah because actually yes thank you that was the other side so there was the new metal side and the pop punk side yeah. and a lot of the friends that i have especially like my oldest friend you know when we talk about me you know what i mean like blink and some 41 and you know, like, Alkaline Trio was there, too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that shit is so nostalgic for him, as is, like, limb Biscuit and shit like that. And see, I never was into that because I was kind of vibing on the Arctic Monkeys and the Thermals and the White Stripes. And then I kind of mm-hmm. went back to grunge. So then I started listening yeah. to even more than I already had nirvana's first album alice in chain's first album pearl jam's first album then their entire catalog i went backwards all of the people that i knew went forward Uh and then i kind of felt left in the dust but i was like see that's what i want to do is i want to pick up guitar be in a garage come up with a really shitty band name <laughs> and, and just fucking jam and do we have it's a, gotta
1: be the something the strokes yeah, the highs, yes yeah, the, the kills the <laughs> outlets
0: the unibrows. we pick up logan's base if it's plugged into the wrong outlet and it's gonna electrocute us that's fucking punk rock as shit let's go for sure that's where we operated um oh thrice also, that was one I was thinking. Yeah. Too. Oh, yeah.
1: yeah. Um. So, yeah, basically, other than that, really, the only thing I kind of like wanted to talk about is like the sad like death of this genre, because it kind of like grunge. It was over like as soon as it got started. Like, I personally think it was pretty much over by like 2005, 2006, because all those amazing kick ass bands that just like announced that, like did their debut albums between 2005, between 2000, 2005. In my opinion, and most people's, to be honest, um, they started doing their their sophomore albums and then their third albums. And then they're just... They're kind of yeah. losing a little bit of steam. You lost me for a while. And then, like, at the same time, these other newer bands were doing some kick-ass stuff at the time. Like, I mean, I talked about, like, MGMT. Like, I feel like I can't quite in- fit MGMT into this new Rock Revolution album because they were a little bit later. But they were kind of, like... A little bit of the face of this, like the, the, I think the next logical conclusion after that was like this kind of indie rock, this more electronic. Um, that's where you get like, oh, and also like folk revival started to become a thing, like Mumford and Sons, Lumineers, Sleep Foxes. Thank you.
0: And I was going to include Vampire Weekend around the time of MGMT because Vampire Weekend kind of was late to the party. But they were doing as much as I love Vampire Weekend. I by no means I'm trying to shit on them. However, yeah. that was kid. That was like punk music for rich white kids,
1: hundred <laughs> yeah. percent. And I'm
0: not. I, and I fucking bumped that first album all around my shitty you breadneck town because it was rebellious. It was like, oh yeah, you know, like I fucking read Vonnegut, you little fucking bitch. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) I thought I was cool for being into Vampire Weekend and Wes Anderson and reading Kurt Vonnegut, and a lot of that was because of my buddy Logan, but we were rebelling against our redneck town. Like, here's our liberal sensibilities. We're going to read books that you ban in school. We're going to listen to punk rock music made by kids who went to Harvard, and we're going to be really fucking rebellious against your redneck ideology. However... Vampire Weekend showed up kind of late to the party and and you know Vampire Weekend was different as was the MGMT um Mm -hmm. it was all
1: and then also around that time is when other like primarily rap and hip-hop started just completely taking off um Kanye's graduation came out in 2007 and it was pretty much over after 2007 it was no longer cool to listen to these alt indie rock bands because hip-hop is the new rock
0: well Um, and not too long after that right we started to have imagine dragons we started to have yeah yeah. we started to have (laughs) a very pop produced high production rock and roll that totally missed the point of what you know if you pick up a guitar and play what it's supposed to be i mean yeah which which i know you know what frustrates me is like i've had conversations similar to this like you know at a party or whatever What's frustrating is that I'm not trying to be pretentious. It's just that, like, I was there, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I remember that, like, the Super Bowl halftime shows, you know what I mean? There started to be less and less guitars. You know, you would turn on MTV. There started to be less and less guitars. Right. And the only other thing that I forgot to mention was that around the time that, like, Kaiser Chiefs and Interpol and all that shit started to break, it was hard to find for me. It wasn't easy. I had to stay up... We we had to, like, stay up late at night and watch Fuse, And we had to, like... Or (laughs) catch, like, a really late night. Oh, MTV's Indie Rock Hour at 2 a.m. Like, you had to... You had to really find it. It wasn't accessible. Even though it felt like all your friends at school were like, Oh, yeah, you know they were singing Franz Ferdinand songs and it was like, well, Mm. wait a minute. I heard this a month ago (laughs) at 3am. And it was like, that's how quick it was, you know, but then,
1: right.
0: Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a weird time for rock music. It felt like anything and everything that seemed more popular. And I remember like, it was really hard to talk to people about music around those days because it just felt like it was like, yeah, you know, I'm getting into like Ryan Adams. I'm listening to Thermals. Oh man, have you heard of the Mountain Goats? And just, <laughs> you know, it, it, we were gone. Yeah. We are on two different worlds because they were listening to the new Blink album that came out, and it's like, is it going right. to be their last one? It's like, who fucking cares? <laughs> I never liked them to begin with. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that was my perspective. It was very frustrating because I wanted to write heavy rock music that was saying something but i wasn't going to ball with the ball dang dang diggy diggy yeah and mm-hmm. it was really hard to meet in the middle and I was just such a fan of, like, the singer song and, and you're right. There was a singer-songwriter explosion in 11, the Folk Revival. And all of a sudden, everybody's singing Mumford and & Sons. And I was like, this is, like, <laughs> right. the worst Ryan Adams album he could ever put out is, like, the yeah. best Mumford & Sons album. And I was just like, man, yeah. we we have just... <laughs> but then we get somebody amazing, like Rayleigh Montaigne, coming down from the mountaintop and just blowing our little minds so it's (laughs) it's i sometimes feel like i miss the most interesting parts of music and then we do a podcast episode like this and i'm like wait you know what no like the early aughts were so interesting it was so many genres trying to break through to that next level and then even five to eight years after that we had a whole different set of genres like we were just it's like 2000 hit we hit the hard reset button it was just like hey whatever the kids are going to listen to throw it out there and that was us that was us just like absorbing everything and anything yeah totally yeah yeah i don't know
1: and I hate to, and I hate to sound like a, like a broken record but I keep bringing it back to like I think a lot of that is literally because of like the internet like it is so easily accessible now to listen to these bands that you wouldn't have had the opportunity to listen to if you turn on MTV or the radio um, I vividly remember being like oh yeah what's what's this new band let me download this from Limewire I and I that's yeah. that is the my taste in music came from that time where I was discovering that oh shit there's more out there than just where i'm from the country music music that's on the radio uh my weird friends that are into rob zombie but i can't really commit to that um there's there's something out there for me and this is it
0: yeah i uh... <laughs> yeah um that's it like myspace man like uh, as someone who started a band and who had a myspace for their yeah. band. You know, it was very <laughs> important to get the MySpace page, right? You got to, yeah. But I also remember downloading songs from the Arctic Monkeys MySpace page, dude. Like yeah. it was just a different era and a different way to consume music, but you are right, internet played such a big role. And then now we're at this level now where it's just like, well, any genre or weird subgenre you could find on the internet or on SoundCloud or mm. Bandcamp. But I think what we're. Oh, okay. I'll keep this part short. I'll keep this part short. What's hard is that. As much as the internet helped spread music and build upon building blocks that were there in the early aughts, I think nowadays it's crippling us. Yeah. Because I think we're in a era of anybody who has a microphone can record anything. Mm-hmm. And I think what we're realizing is that most of it is not very good
1: right well and if it is good it's like one hit wonders that are overplayed and again i sound like such an old man here but like there are like nobody that i know like our age or younger watches mtv to discover bands but what they do is they listen do you know how many times i've heard somebody say like oh have you heard that new song on tiktok like this tiktok song that's kind of like tiktok is the new mtv and again of all the songs that are on tiktok only a small percentage will actually break through to the mainstream and in my opinion the ones i've seen break through the mainstream they can't fucking do it again they have one good song yep. and then it's dead so then they move on to the next tiktok song you can't put out a you can't do a full album you got it you got one song and then you're you're done
0: yep that's your your
1: time is over it because they've moved on
0: yeah exactly hobo johnson yeah oh god <laughs> oh man he fucking tricked Remember us. Remember that weird
1: blip on the radar? Yeah, he fucking
0: tricked <laughs> us, man. I was there for a minute.
1: Yeah, um, me too. Yeah,
0: we all were, you know, because we are like, oh, cool. Um, But, yeah, no, that's a good way to put it. And uh, it's hard because that's the thing. We're going to die one day. We're going to be warm food. And the kids will uh, carry on uh, the music. I just... um. The part that's really cool about music is it always evolves and changes, but it is going to always be cyclical. We're always going to return at that start point because I think we're all looking for the person that sing- – and one of my biggest proponents of this is Billie Eilish. I know that like yeah. she has had a marketing team and she's had people behind her. Obviously, there's a reason that everyone knows who Billie Eilish is. However, she's doing a lot of her own rules. And I think she has a lot of say in it. And Mm. I think there is also a level of honesty and sincerity that is a part of it. Which is why she's coming at it with a level of honesty and sincerity. So if we could have... Every couple of years somebody like Billy Eilish show up and just be like, Hey, here's what I do, here's my vibe, here's my thing, here's these songs that are really good mm. You know, we'll be okay, even if rock and roll looks yeah. different we're going to have yeah. somebody just being fucking honest which is
1: yeah, totally. And there are definitely bands still out there that are doing kind of like a rock revival kind of thing. It's just kind of like focus on a different like genre. Like I've talk- t- told you before like one of my favorite bands right now is like The War on Drugs and they straight up sound like the 80s. That's their thing. But um and there are bands like that. There's a band called Dirty Honey that literally sounds like 80s hair metal. Um you're going to shit on this Greta Van Fleet. I was like, Oh shit, this is kind of when they first came out, yeah. I was like, this is Led Zeppelin. This is kind of good. I fuck with this. And they were doing that in like, what, five years ago, four or five years ago. Like,
0: yeah, I'm, I don't I'm, I'm 50, 50 on Greta Van Fleet just to hop in and just say like, because I understand the hate, but I also under like, mm-hmm. I'm also like, well, Hey, they're playing fucking rock music because you know, you know who it <laughs> yeah. fucking happened to when they did it. Wolf mother wolf mother heard yeah. the same mm-hmm. fucking thing the only thing that wolf mother did was did something new they're also right. a three-piece so they kind of had to yeah but anyway totally <laughs> yeah let's uh let's wrap this up we've
1: yeah there we better. <laughs> yeah i think we've gone
0: on a tangent but uh here lately besides how heavily i ball with the ball the bang the bang diggy diggy <laughs> mitch up jumped the boogie what? <laughs> Thank you. I'm um, chump the <laughs> buggy. Uh Mitch, what have you been cranking?
1: Okay, so this is completely different, but um there was a uh uh there's a, there's a new documentary on HBO about Jason Isbell that you should mm. really watch. Um I think we've talked about Jason Isbell before. Um yeah. but this uh Yeah, there's a new documentary that was um Kind of filmed during their making of like the uh a little bit of like the reunions era, so like twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen, and man, Jason Isbell, he's just so fucking cool, man. He's the he's the nicest, like most down to earth guy, but he also. You know, if you watch the documentary, like he's very upfront about his like problems with alcohol and addiction. And he's, you know, kind of most of the documentary is about his problems, like his marital problem was with his wife. And like, yeah, I was a, you know, a dick to her and we almost got divorced and I'm, you know kind of coming clean about how i've been a bad husband that's that's the whole tone of the documentary which i thought was kind of interesting but they also touched on when he was like kicked out of the drive-by truckers um and he's really cool about it man he's like totally sober now and i think he is one of the best singer songwriters of our generation i've i've told people straight up i think he is our our generation's bob dylan um or towns van zandt in his like honest lyrics um so yeah man check it out listen to jason Isbell. i don't really have a song just listen to all of it
0: (laughs) yeah uh wow totally fair um you hit me with a lot of (laughs) jason isbell information that i did not have and that's uh pretty wild to hear um i loved him i had my buddy get into him more of like i just i always had to come back and just be like is this guy just turning to me ryan adams which is pretty unfair because ryan adams also not a saint by any means yeah you know he's made some mistakes in his life but um ryan adams was who i grew up with so then i have like you know jason isbell kid coming out (laughs) but no i i do love jason isbell um he's um he's done a lot he's keeping it going Of just yeah like you said those honest and like just very from the heart here's a song i wrote and he's wrote yeah. some heavy motherfucking songs, which is awesome. Heavy
1: lyrics, yeah. yeah. Basically, he 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 talks a lot about like his childhood and how shitty it was, and the typical like you know Alabama. Your parents are like on the brink of divorce. They fight every night, so all you can do that that makes you happy is play guitar, and that's how he like he processes yep. emotions, like. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, that's that. Yeah, exactly. Um, So, yeah, he's written some really heavy songs, but I think he's one of the most honest like. Yeah, just best singer songwriters of our time.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I agree. Um, yeah, so here's what I've been cranking a little bit of left turn too, but not really surprisingly. So ever since we done the grunge episodes, there was one band that I talked about, but I didn't really get to go into and that's mad season. So mad season is the band that had Lane Stanley as the singer, uh, from okay. Alice in Chains had Mike McCready from Pearl Jam on guitar. Uh, Matt Cameron, I did believe, did the drum parts for the album, but didn't tour with them. And then I gotcha. f- I forget the bass player. But regardless, a grunge supergroup, and there is an iconic live performance. And I oh yeah no 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 I remember it was at the um, it was at the Moore in Seattle. And it's so fucking good. I wanted to do a whole episode about this live performance at the Moore because here's a couple things that are cool. So, Lane, Lane Stanley is playing guitar, which he typically did not do in Allison Chains. Uh, Mike McCready is playing the Gibson. He's playing a Les Paul, which he typically did not do in Pearl Jam. I would actually go out on a limb and say he almost never did. He pretty much... Primarily played a strat, uh, a telly, some of the kind Stone Gossard would tend to play more Gibson guitars. Um, mm. Mike McCready never really played a lot of Gibson guitars with Pearl Jam. He did a lot of strats, a lot of tellys. Uh, I think I recall him doing a jazz master every now and then. He didn't really mm. fuck with Gibson guitars in Pearl Jam. Um, but there is this set at the Moore Theater in Seattle and uh it's also where Nirvana had one of their most popular sets and it's just phenomenal. It's just amazing. And I think you see how good of a singer Lane Stanley is cuz he has a style. You know, everybody kind of shits on Eddie Vedder for his singing style, but like Lane mm-hmm. Stanley is basically like wow 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 wow. <laughs> like that's how he yeah. sings. <laughs> But then you watch this live set, and you're like, holy shit. Like, there's no effects running through that vocal chain. Like, it's just him singing into a microphone, yeah. and you're like, oh, my God. This is different. This is different. Uh, it's really good. There's a Mad Season song called I Don't Know Anything. And it's just a grungy, heavy, jammy rock song, and it's just it, – it fucking slaps. And I think that Mad Season is one of the – it's like where everybody knows about Temple of the Dog at least like fairly you know competent music nerds know about Temple yeah. of the Dog. Mad Season is the band that nobody knows about and they should. Yeah. You know. And um Yeah.
1: I love Temple of the Dog. Never heard of Mad Season. Yep.
0: <laughs> and it's not that I think Mad Season's better. I just think Mad Season was later. And then also this set that they did at the Moore Theater, all of them were a part of really successful bands. So they had to, they really only had a couple days to practice. And then you watch this set on YouTube with them at the Moore Theater, and it's like, dude, it is flawless. (laughs) Like, it is amazing, these four guys coming together and do it. I think the drummer they had play at the Moore Theater is the drummer. I think it's Jimmy Chamberlain from the Smashing Pumpkins. I could Mm -hmm. be wrong, but it looks like that guy. So I'd have to look into who they use for the more theater set. But I mean, it is a phenomenal rock set. Like it's... Dude, that song, I Don't Know Anything. Dude, Mike McCready takes the guitar back behind his head, rips a face-melting solo. Oh, hell yeah. Dude, Mike McCready easily becoming probably my favorite guitar that dude can yeah. shred can write songs can be like meaningful and sweet with his guitar playing and harsh and angry and just Dude, the grunge guys could shred and i'm just like really <laughs> upset sometimes because anybody else i ever talked to about grunge are just like oh it's guys who are angry and can't play guitar well playing music and i'm just like dude you're so mm-hmm. fucking wrong Mike McCready can tread like a motherfucker. Stone Gossard wrote pretty much the entirety of the first Pearl Jam album. Uh, Kim Thell from Soundgarden probably writes the most dissonant guitar solos ever. Like if it's insane,
1: but yeah, I mean, you're right, man. Like, and again, not to sound pretentious, but like the, the people that aren't as familiar with it, when they think of grunge, they again, think of smells like Teen yeah, spirit. Yeah. And that is probably one of the first songs I learned how to play on guitar because it's that easy.
0: Yeah. And there's yeah. a whole point to that, <laughs> but that's, that's the, the, yeah, you're totally right. And that's yeah. an awesome rock and roll fucking thing. Cause we all also learned smoked on the water.
1: Yes. <laughs> and Seven
0: Nation Army to bring it back home. So Oh yeah. <laughs> there's a very important part of that. However, that does not mean every guy in a in a grunge band couldn't play the fucking guitar. Like right. if you actually listen to Kim Thales guitar parts from Soundgarden, they are so complex and confusing, and his guitar solos are literally only sixteenth and thirty-second notes
1: that's wild he yeah. he's playing so many
0: fucking notes i don't even know what he's doing does it sound good i don't know he's up there doing it dude like it's just it's just fucking rock and roll so yeah um mitch you did as always a really good job and a much better job than i do when i try to I take something super complicated
1: you're you're giving yourself you're you're being too hard on yourself I think your grunge episode was fantastic um and yeah man I I, I had fun doing it um like I like I said I admittedly do, didn't do a ton of research on this because this is something I could talk about unprompted for probably a couple hours um but yeah man there's just it will always hold a special place in my heart and I just love it so much
0: so. yeah a hundred percent me too and uh, the only thing <laughs> I didn't say earlier was a lot of the bands that we're talking about, White Stripes, Arctic Monkeys, all these guys, are half of the reason that I still play guitar. Um, you know, that, that these were the bands I was covering when I was in a band when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they mean the world to me, too. So, really cool. We could finally, like, sit down and talk about it. So uh, Yeah, totally. Oh, man. All right. Uh <laughs> <laughs> okay, I guess we'll get out of here. Uh, okay, all right. Well, we're gonna wrap it up for the Vinyl Frontier this time. I forgot I had a whole Scotty bit planned, and I forgot to do any of the prep work. So, with that being said, um, in all actuality, I I I sent I sent Scotty a text, and I told him I was like, "Look, man." I didn't mean to call you out about the food. I didn't mean to call you out about your wife. And, you know, he texted me back, and he was just like, look, man, I love you guys. You know what I mean? He's really in, coincidentally, to Latin fusion. Um, <laughs> it's his favorite genre. And he was like, can you guys talk about Latin fusion in honor of me? Which is when we started to talk about, you know, Carlos Santana. I guess I felt the need to sure. do it. Um, but I just told him, I was like, I don't know who he likes Latin fusion. You know who likes Latin fusion? Latin people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I texted back Scotty and I just, I was like, yeah, I, all right. Uh, so, you know, at the end of the day, Scotty, we love you. We appreciate you. You're an important part of the podcast.
1: Well, I didn't know that backstory or else I wouldn't have shit on Santana.
0: He had a couple good (laughs) Well, it's Scotty. What are you gonna do? You know, he's piloting this motherfucker. It's not like he's on here. He doesn't have anything interesting to say. That's why we didn't put him on here, so That's true. Yeah, at the end of the day, it's just (laughs) it's your job to beam us up and beam us up only.
1: You kind of like went back on that a little bit. You were like kind of apologetic, and then you were just like, fuck off.
0: No, I'll apologize to the guy. But at the end of the day, Scotty, you know, I've heard you play bass. It's not good. All right. I hate to break it to you, dude. You got a lot of chops to build up if you want to be a part of the vinyl frontier. You know what I'm saying? I'm cool with you beaming Mm -hmm. us. You can beam us up right now if you want to. However,. If you want to play bass, you 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 gotta build those chops, man. It's not.
1: And don't take it personally. Like it's a business, man. We're trying to run a billion dollar business here, so like you know, we just know at the end of the day, we love you,
0: but. <laughs> uh, yeah, don't get me wrong. I love you to death, but you gotta beam us up, man. At the end of the day, that's your fucking paycheck, man. You know what I mean? You want to fucking play the fucking uh, the Woodstock live Santana bit on bass live for me, that's fine. Just beam me up at the end. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like that's 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 on your W-2. So you gotta beam us up at the end.